Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Tim crushes this ball. He throws the bat. The ball goes flying. It is gone. Under the Hood, behind the scenes, nobody really sees. Runs right in the air deep. Is it enough? It's gone. Ball game over. Hey, I'm hot. Jonathan Hood. I'm hot. Rubisky. Robinson. And Mack will take it all the way in for a touchdown. A lot of this is behind the scenes or under the hood. The market it. Oh! He didn't come for the massage. He came for the fight show. Oh, baby. Woo! Jonathan Hood. Oh, Put a body on that man. Breaks the hole. Swift got running room. Swift got to go. 30, 20, 10, 5. Touchdown, Swift. Under the hood with Jonathan Hood. I'm the man. Nights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Live from Chicago, this is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. With open phone lines for you at 312-332-ESPN. 332-3776 is our telephone number. Hit me up on Twitter, twitter.com. Tweet J. Hood, also on Snapchat, Snap J. Hood. This hour of our program is brought to you by Enzo Custom Experience. Experience the true custom and get the suit that you really want. Go to enzocustom.com, schedule an appointment, and get $50 off by telling them Waddle sent you. That is enzocustom.com. Can I buy a period in one of, in this read? <laughs> oh gosh! Well, we're going to hear from Austin Lane, former Chicago Bear, and uh, he's a big wrestling fan for our sister station ESPN Jacksonville. So, if you're a wrestling fan, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday is coming your way at the bottom of the hour, right here on ESPN 1000. Uh, right now, it's time to talk some NBA with our friend Nick Friedel. Nick Friedel covers the NBA for ESPN and ESPN.com. He joins me, Jonathan Hood, on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Nick, as always, I appreciate your time. First, let's talk about the Warriors. Can you confirm how the Warriors were looking to get a hometown discount from Clay Thompson? Is that sort of even accurate, trying to get a, a hometown discount financially for a new deal with Clay? I don't believe so, Eddie, only because throughout the season, the feeling from within the organization was very clear. Clay's going to get every dollar that is supposed to come his way. So uh, I talked to Joe Lakeham about it a few weeks before. Uh, the free agency period open, and he's telling me, I want Clay to stay here forever. <laughs> I think they knew uh, for a while that, that Clay was was going to get all his money. So from my perspective, in talking to people, uh, not only in the last couple of weeks, but the last few months leading up to that point, I always felt like Clay was going to get the max uh, that he earned and, and has now agreed to. I don't know if you heard the same thing I heard earlier today, but there's been some conversations about Clay Thompson in NBA circles says that Clay Thompson maybe is not much of a leader where he just focuses on basketball and goes home. And I'm thinking, well, that's the model person that you want in your organization, right? If someone is just focused on, you know, a day to day, making sure that he's one of the best two way players in the NBA, that you'd want him on your team. You wouldn't want any drama. So I, 
I don't think that's a, a problem. That's actually a positive in the NBA and for the Warriors, right? I couldn't agree with you more, Hoodie, and I'd add this. When you are in the middle of a team like the Warriors for years who have had Steph and Draymond and, and KD the last three years, to have Clay, <laughs> who just wants to play as hard as he can and as much as he can and go home, uh, he is universally beloved within that organization. So anybody who's who's trying to knock down Clay Thompson, uh, my guess would be they haven't spent a lot of time talking to his teammates because if there is one guy that you could vouch for on that team who is universally liked up and down for his personality and the way it is, it's Clay Thompson. Uh, so uh, I, I'm not sure where that noise is coming from, but I tell you again, in my experience, that is the guy that everybody really enjoys being around, and they appreciate that he is egoless on a team that is full of different egos uh, in play. If you're the Lakers, Nick, would you rather have Chris Paul or Rajon Rondo leading your team? Ooh, for me, Hoodie, it's Rondo. Uh, not only is he uh, a cheaper contract, but and this is, again, based on my time not only dealing with Rondo uh, on a day-to-day perspective in Chicago, but then going to New Orleans and L.A. and asking people how he was fitting in there. People really liked Rondo. Uh, he had a bad time in Dallas a few years back and didn't get along well with some of his teammates and Rick Carlisle. Besides that, uh, in the last few years, he's been – really well-respected in the guy the younger guys turn to. So with Chris Paul, I mean, we've heard the reports about the kind of falling out with James Harden. Uh, Even more, though, Hoodie, uh, Chris Paul just isn't the same player. And Rondo, for his flaws as a player, uh, at this point in his career, not only is he relatively the same in what he's going to produce, at least over the last few years, but I don't believe he's going to give you the headaches off the floor uh, that Paul has at times in the last few seasons. So if it's me and you know that LeBron has a comfort level with Rondo, I, I obviously he's got a personal relationship with Chris Paul as well, uh, but they've never played together. If I'm the Lakers, I'm taking Rondo with the younger core that I have, and I'm taking my chances. Nick Friedel covers the NBA for ESPN.com. He joins me, Jonathan Hood, on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I know that Frank Vogel being the head coach for the Lakers is like the ninth or tenth most interesting thing about the team. But there is something to watch, though, Nick, when the season starts because we got it. You know, let's let's put a bookmark in this about Frank Vogel being the coach and a lead assistant that he did not ask for, and Jason Kidd. Lionel Hollins, who would love to be a head coach again on that same bench. I see that Phil Handy, longtime Raptors assistant, also is on that bench now, um, likely to hire um, uh, Handy as an assistant with the Lakers. So that's interesting to watch as well, the sideline. How long Vogel lasts? How long does LeBron deal with Vogel? I mean, that's, I think that's interesting to watch as well, but even with Anthony Davis and everything else that's going on with the Laker team. There's no question, Hoodie, and it's a really good point because when you look at the formation of this group of of Lakers and how they've come together, Vogel's hiring has almost gotten lost in the shuffle. And Vogel, 
I mean, for years has been a very well-respected guy in his own right. During his time in Indiana, the, the stint in Orlando didn't go the way he would have liked, but he's always had that reputation as getting the most out of his players and having a team that plays really tough and physical defense. And for LeBron at this stage, trying to win another title, you've got to think that that will resonate, but I don't think these guys know each other real well. And that, that buy-in from your star players to your coach, how many times have we seen it in the league, especially in the last few years? It is crucial. So is Vogel going to be able to get that from LeBron and AD early on? Well, we're going to see. I think Vogel has shown to be able to get along with his players over time, uh, and he has had success in the league. But it's a whole different beast when you're coaching LeBron and you're in Los Angeles. So uh, on top of everything else, as you noted, it's the Jason Kidd thing. Uh, and when you talk to people around the league, from the second Jason Kidd's name came into the discussion, it was like, oh, boy, uh, you know, if, <laughs> here we go. Like, when when does the other shoe drop? But if you're, if you're Frank, you want to get in and find a way back into the league, and, and now you have a chance not only to be back with a prominent franchise, but potentially go and win a title next season. So there are a lot of different uh, layers involved, as there always are with, with big-time teams, Eddie, but you are right. That is a storyline that has not gotten enough play. How does Vogel, uh, who didn't fare as well in Orlando as he wanted, fit into the framework of a LeBron-led Lakers team? Uh, I think you saw online the uh, party rally parade for Giannis Antetokounmpo this past weekend in Milwaukee, (laughs) right? His MVP parade. I mean, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, Poor Malika. Well, um, so so there you are with uh, with a celebration over. I think that's the first time ever in the league that there's been a celebration of of that kind. So I, I'm wondering how you look at Milwaukee now that uh, Chris Middleton's locked in, Giannis Antetokounmpo's the MVP. Where do you place them amongst the best in the East? They're real high hoodie, but I I still don't believe in them as a title winner. And I, I love Giannis's game. He's going to be even better. He's going to win another MVP award. It may come as soon as next season. But you committed $80 million to Eric Bledsoe. And you and I have been going back and forth on this for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. I just I don't see that kind of production, a championship-level guard to get you where you need to go from Bledsoe. And now you're locked into that deal. Uh, so you lose Brogdon. That's going to hurt. Uh, you know, you have periphery pieces uh, getting the Lopez brothers. That is a very good move. But the problem is in the postseason, as we see time and again, you need guys who are not afraid to take and make the big shot. Uh, and on that team, still, it's Giannis, who is still learning to shoot from the outside, and Chris Middleton, who uh, didn't have the postseason, certainly, that I know he would have liked to have had. So, uh, in the East, for me, if Tobias Harris's game can grow, and we're going to find out, I would think, really quickly without Jimmy Butler on that Philly team, just how much better to, uh, Tobias Harris can be. But if he can grow and Simmons can space the floor out and at least be somewhat of a threat to shoot from the outside, Philly, with the addition of Al Horford, is is my team to go all the way to the finals because I believe that Embiid, if he is in the right shape and his body stays uh, in good condition throughout the year, I think he is going to dominate this season. So Ben Simmons is an actual jump shot away 
<laughs> from actually helping. Because, I mean, this is what we're talking about here. We're talking about a max value of a contract for Ben Simmons of $178 million for a guy that's afraid to shoot, especially down the stretch. Like, if I'm a defensive coordinator for any basketball team, I'm sagging off of Simmons and daring him to shoot. I mean, that's a ton of money for a guy that is a great attacking the basket. I think he does a lot of things at, you know, around the rim, but it's not 1989. That that's the only difference. Like you need to be able to have a jump shot. Like in the '80s, that dude going to the basket and not shooting from the outside. Oh, he would have been a terror. But it's 2019. Yeah. So well, and and hoodie, it just goes to show you again how talented he is at what he does. The fact that Philly felt the need to give him a max deal anyway, even though we all know he can't shoot right now. Uh, so I'm not as high on Simmons as others are. I just believe that the East is so depleted in the moment of teams that have a legit chance to get all the way to the finals that Philly almost by default can get there if Simmons can take that next step. And nobody's saying he's got to come out next year and be a, a 40 point, uh, for, excuse me, 40 percentage, uh, shoot 40 percent from three point land. That's not it. What he has to do is be somewhat of a threat. And that's what he has not been up to this point. Teams are going to sag off him every time until he shows that he can hit the shot. Uh, and if you're the Sixers, you say to him, look, we can just invest max money into your future. We believe in you. Please learn how to shoot this summer uh, and come back renewed. Because if he does and Harris shows more development in his game hoodie, Philly has all the pieces they would need to make the run that they want. I saw some uh, over-unders. We were going through some of this earlier with the win totals in the NBA, which is also interesting to see. So I'm going to ask you about a few teams here. Uh, just your gut feeling, because as I look at it, I'm, I'm going to change my mind by the time we get to October also. So so when I, when I see um, – well, well, I'll start with Golden State, because Golden State is at 47.5. I told you before our conversation um, – offline that I think that the Warriors are a 50-win ball club. This is without Iguodala, without Durant, but I just think that Klay Thompson will come back sooner than we think because he's crazy like that. I mean, he the guy was call, call, with, with a torn ACL, he was going back into the defense, calling out defenses, not understanding like Jumping he's hurt. Jumping up and down. Yeah. <laughs> Jumping up and down. So, so I think he's crazy. So I'm thinking like the over 47.5 for Golden State. I'd actually lean under. Here's why. It's not that Steph and Draymond are going to be nom- uh, uh, motivated to dominate next season because you and I both know that those guys are wired to a level where uh, they've won titles. They're not going to just sit back and relax now. <laughs> Although mm-hmm. the whole rest of the world, myself included, thinks that it's a, a gap year for the Warriors. But I lean towards the under just because I think that the load management angle is going to come into play more than we think. And if for whatever reason somebody gets hurt early on, I, then the Warriors will pull the plug on several things. And it's not just, all right, Clay, don't rush back. It's, okay, if, if for whatever reason they suffer a, a major injury, they're going to say, let's, let's play for a season from now. Because you look at the top of that roster – and it's still pretty solid. You've got Steph and Draymond. We're not sure what's going to happen with D'Angelo Russell. What will Willie Cauley-Stein give them? Kevon Looney. That top half is fine. The bottom half, whoa, oh, man. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of question marks there. 
so with all those question marks in play, I understand completely why people would say, all right, people are doubting the Warriors, it's their time. I just think that there are too many variables on top of an injury uh, that would, it, it, you know, frankly, Hoodie, it, it would lead me to tell whoever was going to the window, wherever they're going to the window at, to say, don't even touch that one, because I think there's just too much that could happen in between. All right, 48 wins for Golden State. All right, let's take a look now at <laughs> <laughs> let's take a look now at, at Jimmy's Miami Heat. Boy, oh, I, boy, I thought I thought Jimmy had a little bit more influence to kind of you know bring a little bit more. Uh, uh, players around him, but it's it's Jimmy's Heat now. It's forty two and a half for Jimmy Butler in the Heat. Under, 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 oh. under. That so out that of the, out of the playoffs, group, huh? Yeah, I mean that group. It screams to me forty win team, mm-hmm. five hundred team. They're going to be fighting on that line all year, and we're just talking about potential injuries for Steph for Draymond or one of the big guys on the Warriors hoodie. You and I know this for sure, watching Jimmy all, all these years. Jimmy, people people don't realize this enough. He misses a month. He misses a month every year with something. Uh, and that really doesn't make him that much different than any other uh, big-time player in the league because everybody deals with something in this league always. But if you're Jimmy at this stage of your career and you just signed for max money, the days of I'm going to... I'm going to fight through this one, <laughs> and I'm going to play through whatever I'm dealing with. No, 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 no. I, I, on top of that, on top of the Jimmy conversation, I just don't believe in the Heat's core around him until they, they show otherwise. So I would take the under in Miami. Hey, and the Bulls are 30 and a half. <laughs> and, 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 and Boylan said that he's got his starting five ready. And it includes Chris Dunn. Did anybody tell uh, John Paxson that? Uh, man, it's going to be a long couple of years, my friend. <laughs> as far as uh, as far as thirty and a half, I would lean under, just because they were supposed to take the step last year. They didn't. Injuries took a toll. I still, I just don't buy. I don't buy the makeup of the roster uh, at the moment. Although. You and I have been through this. I, I like the additions of Thad Young and, and Sadoransky. Those mm-hmm. are pro players. They are going to help. But when you look at that roster, I, I just don't see it the next couple of years. Uh, and that's the hardest part for people. And I mean, we know so many diehard fans uh, for for the team and, and who have followed for years and years. The, the hard part is, well, I think they'll improve. I just don't think they're going to improve that much, which would lead me to say under on 30 and a half as well. Can we agree that there will not be a 60-win ball club this year in the NBA? Uh, I would bet lots of money that I don't have because I already lost it all playing blackjack at Summer League last week <laughs> on that exactly. Uh, because if nothing else, what Kawhi's title in Toronto has shown the league in the moment and this is a copycat league always, is that you don't have to play these regular season games. These regular season games do not matter for the teams that have a legit chance at a title. They don't care. Uh, the, the, the players, they, it, rare is it a game that will get them revved up uh, in December or January. 
They know when the money is made, and they know when the titles are on the line. They know they have to be prepared for that. So the load management of Kawhi Leonard has changed the face of the league and how it is being consumed on a day-to-day basis. And I think we're going to see that come to even more fruition over the course of the next couple seasons here. My friend, as always, I appreciate your time. Come on back to Chicago. Joe Madden could uh, use you for some good luck so he can keep his job. <laughs> That's going to, hoodie, when Madden, if and when that all goes down, and mm-hmm. it feels like everybody's been talking about that possibility for a couple years now, I'm going to be sad about that because Madden delivered for this team uh, and he got him there. Uh, and, you know, is, as he, as he, the question for any coach or manager always to me is, have they lost the voice within the clubhouse and the locker room? And I don't know that. I'm sure you've talked to Jesse about that a lot mm-hmm. uh, over the last couple of years. But if he hasn't, and they're just making a change to make a change, as a fan, that would make me very, very upset. Because this guy consistently in a bottom-line business has found a way to get this team to a place where it has never been before. So uh, if I can be a good luck charm for Joe Madden, whatever it takes, uh, I'd be happy to do it because I will always appreciate what he has accomplished uh, for for the Cubs and what he continues to do in the short term. I appreciate it, my friend. Let's talk again soon. You got it. Nick Friedel covers the NBA like a blanket for ESPN.com. Follow him on Twitter at Nick Friedel. Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday is next. You don't see just how wild the crowd is. You don't see just how fly my style is. Jonathan Hood. I don't see why I need a stylist when I shot so much I can speak Italian. On ESPN 1000. Tuesday. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event of the evening for the Worldwide Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Championship. Wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, our first event of the evening is a one-fall match with a 15-minute time limit. There ain't nobody, there ain't nobody in wrestling who can make me quit. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. Tuesday. We are what wrestling's all about. New York City here. Chicago here. Jamie on my left. Linda on my right. But I'm not telling any of the girls who I'm going to give it to in Chicago until that night. Tuesday, wrestling. Tuesday returns to Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. This is Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. So glad to have you in. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WrestlingTWT. Also, don't forget the podcast. Wherever you download your podcast, look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Subscribe. That way you never miss an episode of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, whether it's on ESPN 1000 or some interviews that are off the radio, which are really good as well. And, oh, by the way, our YouTube page as well. It's up. It's live. It's ready to go. YouTube.com. Put in Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Subscribe to that. That way you'll never miss some of our great interviews that we had over the years on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. YouTube.com. Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. There 
there was so much wrestling over the weekend. AEW had their show Fight for the Fallen that took place in Jacksonville, Florida. I thought that was just a terrific show. We're going to talk to Austin Lane from our sister station ESPN Jacksonville, who was there. We'll talk to him in just a moment. But in an outdoor stadium, Daly's Place, the amphitheater in Jacksonville, Florida, I thought that that was a terrific show on BR Live. And the main event was the Young Bucks against the Roach Brothers. And I thought that that was a really, really good matchup. It was a little long. I think it's 30, 31 minutes. But I thought that the crowd was engaged and into it. I thought the best match on the card was Kenny Omega against Sima. Uh, that was, I thought, the main event of the of the card. That was the best match that was there. But I, I just look at what AEW is doing. And before they go to TNT, what they want to do is they want to be able to have people sample the product, either on Fight TV or on BR Live, because they're going to be on TNT this fall. It'll be very interesting to see how AEW goes about their business with a two-hour format every single week. I don't know what their plans are. I don't know how they're going to be able to uh, film these. I don't know if they're going to be live. I don't know what city they're going to be in, but I know that there is a buzz. Uh, AEW will be here for the uh, big show here at the Sears Center on August 31st. And I know that there's a buzz for AEW because people want new. One of the things that I look at, though, with this company is that, yes, Tony Khan is in place as really the face of AEW, the one who's running AEW. But I continue to see the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes and Jim Ross, and they all have a say in what's going on creatively with AEW. One thing that you have to know about professional wrestling, because I've been sitting for a long time, when you have wrestlers that are making some of the final decisions to a wrestling company, that is a problem. It has to have one boss. Vince McMahon is one boss when it comes to the WWE. It, it, everything goes to him. If, if it's NXT, everything goes to Triple H, and I'm sure Triple H has to talk to Vince to sign off on some things. But there's at least one boss. There might be some people in creative. There might be some bosses here and there that can help with matches. But there has to be one boss. I don't know if Tony Khan is like the the last guy that they talk to. We want to do these things, Tony. Is it okay? And does Tony have what it takes to be able to be on the same level as some of these other promoters in which the buck stops with him? Because if Tony Khan is just there for the press conferences and just there talking um, and talking about the AEW product, but yet the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes and Jim Ross and some of these other people have a say in it and have a final say, then that's the same thing we saw in WCW. There's a lot of things that went down in WCW, the reason why it's not around now, World Championship Wrestling. And one of the reasons why is because there's never one boss to sign off on things for a long period of time. Eric Bischoff was there for a little bit. Then you had Kevin Sullivan. Then you had Kevin Nash. Then you had uh, Kip Fry. Then you had this guy and that guy and this suit and that suit. And that's why there was always a start and stop with WCW. Eric Bischoff, if you listen to his podcast now, talking about his time in WCW, it's always like, well, I didn't know this was happening, or I had no idea. Someone else had this idea. Well, it's got to be one boss. So I, I like the concept of AEW because wrestling needs something new. It always needs something new. Independent, AEW, NWA, MLW, all of the different independent brands across the country and around the world need something new. But I, I, I just look at this show, and it still was not a perfect show from a television standpoint. Uh, they didn't know at the end whether or not that they were off the air or on the air, which was kind of odd. Um, but I thought that the action overall told a story. One thing I want to point out also about Adam Page. 
Hangman Adam Page is supposed to take on Chris Jericho here in Chicago on August 31st. He had a matchup there that I thought was uh, told a great story about Adam Page. Page did his best to try to hang in there, and he won the match that he was in against Kip Sabian. But don't you want Hangman Page to be strong and you feel confident that, yes, this guy is good enough to be able to beat Chris Jericho? He looked kind of sad. He barely beat Kip Sabian. And there's no shot at Kip Sabian. The point is, though, is there was one minute left in the clock, and Adam Page was able to win the match. And he didn't look strong because the story is that his knee's bad or, or based on that matchup. So I don't know. He didn't seem as strong as I think he should be if he's going to take on Chris Jericho. So I thought Fight for the Fallen was a solid B. I thought that they did a great job. Also, this weekend, we had Extreme Rules taking place in Philadelphia. Oh, boy. So, um... WWE Extreme Rules took place. Brock Lesnar cashes in, and there was four title changes. This was on par of, of like WrestleMania. So many title changes taking place with the WWE, uh, and I thought that this was a terrific show. I did. I thought almost from top to bottom, it was a terrific show. From Drew Gulak and Tony Nese for the Cruiserweight Championship, I think that that was a show stealer. The Undertaker looked very good and with Roman Reigns against Shane McMahon and Drew McIntyre. I thought that that was a very good matchup. I thought the best tag team match, one of the best matches on the card, was the Raw Tag Team Championship match with the Revival against the Usos. Um, that matchup could have been in the 80s. It could have been the 90s. It could have been at any time because the tag team wrestling was so good. It told a great story. Cesaro and Aleister Black, you just go down the line. I thought that it had a good show. I thought it was very, very good for them. Um, the, the one thing that I look at, and we always talk about how wrestling fans want something new, right? <sighs> Brock Lesnar cashes in on Seth Rollins to win the Universal Championship after that Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch versus Baron Corbin, Lacey Evans matchup. Okay, so Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch win the match. Great. However, Brock Lesnar... Um, is defeats Seth Rollins to win the Universal Championship. And so I, I see this, and I'm thinking to myself, if wrestling fans want something new, a lot, a lot of wrestling fans, especially online, do not like Brock Lesnar because he's never there with the, the organization full-time. He's only there for a cup of coffee here, a cup of coffee there. And, and my thought is, is that if he's going to win the championship, you want to see him on TV every week. He's not on television every week. That is a problem. If you have a champion that's on your flagship show, you want to be able to see him. If not in action, you want to be able to see him uh, in an interview. And a lot of times, Lesnar will win the championship and he just goes away for two or three weeks, to a month maybe, until the next show. You know what would have been nice? It would have been nice for Seth Rollins to beat Brock Lesnar. It would have been nice for Seth to be able to actually beat Brock Lesnar on the cash-in, and that would have been totally something new, something different. But the WWE blew it. They just continue to give you what you had before. Remember, Lesnar had the title for 659 days. <laughs> and you, I, mean, I don't know how many appearances he actually made out of that 659 days, um, but the point is, is that if you need something new, something new would have been Rollins beating Lesnar. And so that way, Lesnar doesn't have the money in the bank briefcase. And and my thought is, is that Lesnar doesn't need the championship to get over. He doesn't need the briefcase to get over. So why is he the universal champion? 
So the the face of Raw is not going to be doing house shows. He's going to be here here and there. And again, it's the same nonsense that you've seen in the past from the WWE. Kofi Kingston is the heavyweight champion. Thank goodness. So you can see him, actually see him in your local market. You can actually see him on television every week on SmackDown. But the point is that Brock Lesnar has just been rammed down the throats and it's go away heat. It's not, it's not, oh, I'm booing him because he doesn't come around. You're booing him because you're tired of seeing the same thing. Brock Lesnar is a universal champion. Um, so I thought that AEW had a great show. I thought that WWE Extreme Rules had a great show, even though I didn't understand why Brock Lesnar is universal champion. Uh, I saw some of Evolve. I haven't seen all of it yet because, well, I got to sleep some, even though this has been a crazy weekend and I've still got New Japan Pro Wrestling on my DVR. I saw some of it from the uh, G1 tournament. I hadn't seen all of it just as of yet, but uh, we'll talk more about this in future episodes of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Well, let's talk more about AEW as we turn to our next guest, Austin Lane from ESPN Jacksonville. He joins us here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday right here on ESPN 1000. I know that you were at uh, AEW Fight for the Fallen in Jacksonville. What what did you think of the show uh, at Daly's Place? Yeah, so you know, this was my third event that I that I went to. I went to the one in Las Vegas, the you know the the, the first one, um, double or nothing. I went to the one in Daytona, and, and the one in Jacksonville um, was special from a couple reasons. No, number one, obviously, it's in my backyard, so that kind of held a, a, a special place to me. And it was in a facility, you know, with the Jacksonville Jaguars that I'm really familiar with. So it was cool to see uh, a venue where traditionally either houses practices um, or houses concerts turn into a wrestling uh, function. So that, that was cool to see. And also the fact that, you know, Fight for the Fallen, all the money that was profited from that event went directly to the victims of gun violence, which was really cool. Uh, I'm sure I'm not sure if you know this or not, but last year uh, there, there was a Madden tournament at the Jacksonville Landing that unfortunately ended in, in the death of a, uh, death of a few gamers. Uh, so it, it was cool to see that All Elite Wrestling and the wrestlers kind of did that show for free, basically, and actually donated some money to the cause. Austin, uh, I just thought watching it was just a great atmosphere outside, uh, and no fan left after almost a four-hour show. That says a lot about the fans in Jacksonville wanting to see all of AEW all the way to the end, all the way to uh, Kenny, uh, Kenny Omega's last thoughts after the event. That says a lot, doesn't it? Oh, without a doubt. You know, I think everybody was really curious to see how the Rhodes brothers and the Young Bucks would actually perform together. Because you think of the Young Bucks where they're more of the of the high flyers, you know, they're they're, they're true tag team. And then you have the Rhodes brothers for who haven't tagged in a while. You know, I think the last time they actually tagged up, they actually defeated two members of the Shield. But, but it was a long time coming. So um, people were obviously waiting around to see what was going to happen with that. And the match turned out to be fantastic. And especially you're talking about a, a venue in Jacksonville. We're talking about mid-July, man. I mean, it's, it's hot here. And I think for that, for that event, it was in the mid-90s, you know. So um, the wrestlers put on a great show for, for being four and a half hours. I thought the energy was, was top-notch considering it, it was hot, you know. And it's not the easiest to wrestle outside, especially when you talk about the Bucks and the Rhodes brothers, who, who probably had about a 30-minute match, it seemed like. So, so props to them for doing it and props to everybody on that roster for uh, – going out there and breathing the elements. Austin Lane from our sister station ESPN 690 in Jacksonville with Jonathan Hood on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Uh, Tony Khan looks like he makes a, a cup of coffee nervous. He's very intense, 
but very determined. Yeah. Well, what, what do you think of, of Tony being in this role here as pretty much the face of AEW? Absolutely. Well, so it's funny. He's, he's the face of AEW, hands down, but he's not a guy that I think really cherishes the spotlight. You know, and, and you can kind of see that in some of his interviews where, you know, he, he's super transparent, which helps me do my job because I can ask him any question that I want to. And, and you don't really see that, especially in the wrestling business, but you don't see that really in a, in a lot of organizations or businesses where, you know, really the, the founder, the president, the owner of the company is so transparent. You know, usually when you're talking about these interviews that you do with, with the wrestlers after the event, you maybe get about 10 minutes top. So you can only ask like one or two questions per person. But Tony Khan took it upon himself, and he's done this every single time and every single event that I've been to where he says ask as many questions as you want because he wants to answer them. So he, he makes it a part of being transparent, of, uh, of answering all the questions that are asked of him. So from that perspective, it is refreshing um, you know, to, to have an owner with wrestling like that. But at the same time, you have to remember that he is a wrestling fan first, and that really shows when he's doing the interviews. You can tell that, uh, that he grew up watching wrestling, that he understands the culture, that he understands the in-ring and out-of-ring psychology of it. But the, the cool thing that Tony Khan has done, I mean, obviously he has the money and his dad helped him out with that, but he's put people in place in order to succeed. He's brought on the Young Bucks. He's brought on Kenny Omega. He's brought on uh, Cody Rhodes to help run the day-to-day stuff. And when you have guys that have been through the business who have seen the inside and outside of it, you have those guys kind of at the helm steering the ship. Um, I think you have a, a chance for a great product because now that's going to correlate to the guys that are on the bottom, the guys that are just, you know, kind of making a name for themselves, like the Hangman Pages, like the Darby Allen. So I think there's a great culture in place right now. I think they have a lot of guys that are doing the right things at the top, and I honestly see it only getting bigger from here. Well, I'll tell you what I said, Austin, before you came on the show. I said that Tony has to be like the boss because as a wrestling fan, I think we've seen this before, right? We've seen this with WCW where Eric Bischoff is the boss, but yet Kevin Sullivan, who was an active wrestler at the time, you know, Kevin Nash was an active wrestler at the time. They had like more say uh, in the in-ring product. And I'm just thinking that for Tony Khan, the Bucks got to stop with him because it's one thing to have the young Bucks and Cody Rhodes and Jim Ross and some of the other, other guys around, but wrestling people cannot you know, book the finishes and, and run the company. It's got to be one guy. That's the only way this works if there's one boss. So that that's my only concern. No, and and I completely agree. You know, there, there has to be one captain of the team, if you will. You know, and um, we, we have yet to see if Tony's going to accept that role or not. At the same time, though, I feel like the, the entire landscape of professional wrestling has changed since the days of Eric Bischoff or, you know, running a company because now you look at how wrestling's done. And the reason why I'm such a big fan of wrestling and why I'm a fan of all elite wrestling so far is the fact that, you know, it tells the story. And you saw that with the Young Bucks when they started being the elite. The stories get told on their YouTube channel. Like, there, there's a reason why Hangman Page now is kind of a household name because when he made it start in – New Japan Pro Wrestling, his gimmick didn't go over at all. Actually, people were against his gimmick. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and kind of look at it a little bit. But he basically hung somebody in the ring in his first appearance, and it didn't go over well. But mm-hmm. it wasn't until that Hangman Page was on Being the Elite where people got to see a different side of him. You know, all of a sudden it was the hashtag, where's Hangman, where's Hangman? That kind of threw him into a, 
in, in through a, into a, like a new realm of uh, popularity. And I think with what you have now with the Bucks, you know, being, I don't want to say they're in charge of the storytelling, but there's so many different platforms. So there's the YouTube page, you know, there is Twitter, there is Instagram. I mean, you have all these wrestlers now getting able to tell the story. So by the time the match actually comes around or by the time they go to TNT weekly, those stories don't necessarily really need to be told as much as you can see the wrestling action for what it is. And, and that's why I think with Tony Khan and, and his leadership role and the people that he's appointed to help him out, that's why I think it's going to work so well. Uh, you know, Austin, I thought that uh, Omega Sema was um... – I thought that was the match that stole the show. It, it actually could have closed yeah. the show, but I think they're obviously the Rhodes brothers and the Young Bucks had more of a story. But I thought that Omega Sema, I think they were the best. What'd you think? Oh, without a doubt. And, you know, and it, it's so cool because, you know, Shima's been big in Japan for a long time now. And, um, you know, it's, it's almost kind of like it comes full circle, right? Where you have Kenny Omega, who really made a name for himself in Japan. I mean, the guy's wrestled everywhere, but really found, found his niche really found his ground in like the new to Japan pro wrestling circuit, especially with the Bullet Club. So you have a guy who went to Japan and Kenny Omega, um, you know, and Shima kind of helped him adopt the culture and everything and, and kind of helped put him over. Well, now all of a sudden Kenny Omega's kind of returning the favor, you know, and he's doing that with, with, with the entire group of the Stronghearts, where now the Stronghearts, and especially Shima, come over, and it's Kenny Omega that's introducing, you know, to the U.S. fans to Shima or other members of the Stronghearts or even Joshi wrestling as well, which I've been very pleasantly surprised with the Joshi style, as, uh, you know, with the ladies who have been doing their thing as well. But um, it, it is kind of cool to see that you have the household names like the Kenny Omegas, like the Cody Rhodes and all those guys, Chris Jericho. But then you also have these new guys that maybe the casual wrestling fan isn't familiar with, but they're starting to know now. And that's a pretty cool thing. So Austin, I, I watch your show on uh, on Periscope because you guys uh, t- yeah. t- you know do the, all all three hours on Periscope. So I've been watching your show, and I, I notice that you know your co-host Brent and you go back and forth on wrestling, and I think it's almost like you're educating yeah. Brent on what's going on in the business. You know, I've been doing wrestling on ESPN 1000 for a while. How how's your audience take the the wrestling conversation? Because with it being in Jacksonville, it's almost like another team with AEW. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, it, it's kind of funny because, so, and, and ideally, eventually going forward, I would love to have my own show kind of like you have, just talk wrestling for an hour, and that's something, you know, that's kind of in the works right now. I can't announce too much about it, but Uh-oh. that's the goal go, going forward. But, you know, with, with All Elite Wrestling, so when we first went on the air, it was in mid-January, and that was right around when All Elite Wrestling made the announcement, and then they had the rally in Jacksonville. And me being the wrestling fan, I had to talk about it because, number one, I mean, I'm going to talk about what I love. And I love wrestling, so I felt like, you know, there's there's spaces for me to talk about it on sports radio because you listen to sports radio sometimes and people will talk about their weekends, people talk about vacations. Well, I chose to talk about wrestling. And the fact that it did happen in Jacksonville, the fact that the cons who own the Jaguars as well are tied to all wrestling, you know, it, it makes for a, a couple storylines that I think people in Jacksonville and even Jaguar fans alike uh, can get behind. Now, as, as far as, um, you know, what we've heard, I mean, for the most part, I would probably say 75 to 80% have been positive, you know, because there are a lot of wrestling fans out there, but there's always going to be the, the, the slight outlier that doesn't think that wrestling is a sport, that thinks that, that that's just fake TV, that thinks it's like reality television. So there has been a, a, you know, a little scrutiny and everything like that. But listen, we have a three-hour show, and we try to talk as many sports as possible. So anytime I, I get a chance to mix in a little wrestling, 
am all for. But I'm not naive to the fact that, you know, wrestling fans out there don't necessarily want to talk about college football. They don't want to talk about the Major League Baseball. They don't want to talk about uh, maybe the Florida Gators or the Florida State Seminoles. So that's why going forward, eventually, I'd love to have my own show where maybe I just talk about wrestling and MMA for a little bit. And that way, you know, that, that niche, that, that crowd um, can just come and listen to it for what it is. And then if you want to talk about the Jaguars or other sports, then you can just listen to us from 3 to 6 every single day. Well, Austin, I'm glad that you spent some time with us here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. And uh, if that show comes about, I'm definitely going to be listening. Make sure, and I'll be following you on Twitter at uh, a underscore train underscore ninety two to find out more information. Because we're in a renaissance now, man. I mean, th- this past weekend we there's so much wrestling. Oh my! I was like, oh my god, am I going to sleep? <laughs> I got New yeah. Japan. I got I got you know Evolve. I've got you know MLW to catch up with. New, I mean, so much. So, but we're, it's it's really getting hot now. It really is. Well, well, it really is. You know, and obviously with all the wrestling, it started in Jacksonville, but, but I talk WWE, I'll talk New Japan, I'll talk Ring of Honor just because I am a fan of wrestling. And I think with what all the wrestling's been able to do so far, I think it's changed the landscape where all of a sudden these companies are kind of taking notice and they're bringing their reggae. So I think it's only going to help everybody out because competition brings out the best in everybody. And you kind of saw that even with the Extreme Rules this past Sunday where, I'll be honest, I wasn't a fan of the of – the, main event finish, but everything else I thought was fantastic. And you have a guy like Paul Heyman now who's taken over Raw, who, you know, who's kind of the who's who, uh, especially when it comes to the extreme wrestling and things like that. He can kind of put his thumbprint on that. And you have Eric Bischoff, who is known more for really telling the stories, you know, make wrestling you know, seem real and everything. He's taken over for SmackDown. So I think it's an exciting time to be a wrestling fan, to say the least. As always, man, I appreciate it. Let's do it again soon. Let's do it again, man. Anytime you want to talk wrestling, I'm all for it, man. I appreciate you having me on. All right, man. Thank you so much. Uh, Take it easy. Austin Lane from ESPN Jacksonville with us here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WrestlingTWT. Also, the podcast, wherever you download your podcast, look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with me, Jonathan Hood, right here on ESPN 1000. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. We've got baseball tomorrow, so no Under the Hood show. Here we go. Every Wednesday, no Under the Hood show, but we've got Major League Baseball for you. So we thank you for listening and being part of the program here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Thanks to you for listening. Our thanks to Jesse Rogers, Sam Silk, Howard Griffith, Nick Friedel, and Austin Lane from our sister station ESPN Jacksonville. Those afternoons there. And a former Chicago Bear and a wrestling fan. How about that? We learned all that today. Our thanks to Felix and Sean on the other side of the glass. I'll back with you Thursday, 7 to 10, right here on ESPN 1000. Don't forget the podcast. Look for Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Download that podcast. Subscribe. That way you never miss an episode. Same thing on YouTube, youtube.com. Look for UTH with Jonathan Hood. Talk to you Thursday at 7. Jonathan Hood. I'm so good. On ESPN 1000.